Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you. God, you're worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we praise you. Amen. So good to be here with you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. There's so many places we could all be, but none greater than the house of our God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Clap for praise. Amen. So glad I could be here with you uh, this morning. Amen. Love and appreciate Cornerstone Church. Wonderful people of God. And I give double honor to uh, Pastor and Sister Mayo. Tremendous people. And uh, you're blessed to have such great leadership. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. They have been friends and like family. Amen. To our family. Praise God. And so we thank God for them. And uh, we always thank God for all the saints of Cornerstone Church. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get started. Book of Matthew chapter 5. And I'm only going to read a few verses and then partially one verse. And uh, I'll come back to it. So it might seem a little odd at first, but we'll make it happen. Praise God. And everybody say amen when they're there. Book of Matthew chapter 5. If you're not familiar with uh, this passage of scripture, this is one of Jesus' first sermons. Many of you have these verses uh, put to memory, but we're going to read them anyways. And uh, we're going to talk about this just for a few moments this morning. Five and one of Matthew's gospel says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, blessed. Everyone say blessed. And theologians down through the years have referred to this passage of scripture as the Beatitudes. And I want to preach to you today on this subject, the other Beatitudes. The other Beatitudes. Can we say that together? The other Beatitudes. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount contains several of the most widely recognized words of Jesus. Many people who do not know anything about Jesus or Christianity are, in many cases, familiar with what Jesus taught on this day. In this famous sermon, Jesus preaches about what's known as the Beatitudes. The word Beatitudes is an old English word which simply means supreme blessedness. In these Beatitudes, Jesus takes eight conditions that are typically viewed as unfortunate. Jesus turns the table on these conditions and declares them to be supremely blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. <clears throat> it may surprise many of you, but the Beatitudes at the beginning of the New Testament are only half of the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke of. There is a set of companion Beatitudes that many people are not familiar with. In fact, in order to find them, you have to travel all the way to the end of the New Testament, to the book of Revelation. There are six in total. Today, 
I want to preach to you on the subject of the other Beatitudes. These Beatitudes are just as important as the first. Because they are the Beatitudes that God is requiring of all His people that are living in the last days. Like the first Beatitudes, they represent six conditions of Christian life that are typically looked at by many people as unfortunate, unfavorable, and undesirable. But in God's eyes, they are supremely blessed. Number one is found in Revelations 14 and 13. It says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, you, yea, I say, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labor and their works do follow them. Revelation 16 and 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Revelations 19 and 19 says, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelations 20 and 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Revelations 22 and 7 says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of this prophecy of this book. Revelations 22 and 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into in through the gate into the city. So today... Just for a few moments, I'm going to treach on these six other Beatitudes because we need to have them in these last days. Number one, the book of Revelation says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. There is so much in death to be sad about. Death cuts people off from everything that is dear to them. But for us as Christians, death does the opposite. It joins us to everything that is dear to us. What Jesus is asking us to do in these last days is to change our perspective and our attitude about dying. We are not just different in the way that we talk. We are not just different in the way that we live. We are not just different in the way that we dress. We are not just different in our lifestyle. We are not just different in our worldview. We are different in the way that we view death. If we really want supreme blessedness, oh, come on, somebody. If we really want to live in this life supremely blessed. We're going to have to shake off the fear of death. The scripture says, blessed are they which die in the Lord. I don't know about you, but when it's all said and done, I'm glad I'm living for Jesus because there's going to come a day when I'm going to die in Jesus. Amen. Nobody gets... I know everybody wants to make the rapture. But some of us are not going to make the rapture. And we need to get this in our spirit right now. And whether you make the rapture or not, you cannot live your whole life in bondage and in fear of dying. There just comes a day where everybody's got to put their chin up, square their shoulders, and say, I'm glad I'm living for Jesus because it has eternal consequences. It has eternal rewards. It has eternal blessings. Oh, come on, come on. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him right now. How about we shake the fear of dying off right now? How about we just shake that off? Let's just shake. Blessed are they. Come on. If you got the Holy Ghost, this is not something you need to live in fear of. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, this is not something you need to live in fear of. If you've been serving God. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. I feel a good spirit here right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Cornerstone, shake off the fear.
Let me just tell you how important it is to be saved. There are people in this, in this very building that were saved from death just so God can save them. God spared their life. We have everything from veterans to people that were at the wrong place and at the wrong time. But God was merciful to them in war. God was merciful to them when they were sinners. God was merciful to them in the car accident. God was merciful to them in the hospital. Why? Because God wanted them to be saved. But once you get saved, you don't need to live in fear of death. It in what a shame that a lot of us were less afraid of dying when we were going to hell than we are now that we've been promised heaven. Now is not the time. We weren't afraid to get drunk. We weren't afraid to do drugs. We weren't afraid to drive down the... Drive down the freeway at 100 miles per hour. We weren't afraid of jail. We weren't afraid of overdosing. We weren't afraid of dating the wrong man. We weren't afraid of being tied up with the wrong people. And now, now, now a spirit of cowardice gets on us. Come on, blessed are they which tie in the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, I feel the glory of God here. I'm telling you, I feel the glory of God here. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how a few people are misinterpreting what I'm saying. They think I'm saying we don't need to be concerned about what happens to those we love after we die. You can be concerned. You can plan, you can save, you can get your house in order, but what you cannot do is live in fear and in bondage of dying. The book of Hebrews and then again in the book of Romans, the scripture is explicit when it says that the very purpose of our salvation is to free us, is to release us from the bondage of death and fear. The scripture says, why are you blessed when you die in the Lord? Because your labor ceases and your rewards follow. In simple terms, the work's over and you still get paid. And what it means by labor, believe it or not, the Greek word there, labor, means all the fighting for your faith. All the arguments, all the debates, all the restless nights, all the prayer meetings, all the trying to convince friends and family, all the, all the dragging the kids to church when they don't want to go, all that, is, all that is over. All the persecution from family members, all the persecution from jobs, all the persecution. And you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. The scripture says, Jesus speaking, not me, Jesus speaking, in this life you shall suffer. And we are as sheep led to the slaughter. If you are living for God and you're sincere about it and you're genuine about it, you will suffer in this life. You're going to have labors. You're going to have toils. You're going to have pains and heartaches that come exclusively to the believer. But the scripture says, blessed are they which tie in the Lord for their labor ceases, but their reward follows them. God says, I'm going to pay you back for every Thanksgiving dinner that you were marginalized at. I'm going to pay you back for every job you ever lost because you wouldn't work on Sunday. I'm going to pay you back for every time you I'm going to pay you back for yes oh let's praise him let's praise him oh I feel the Holy Ghost Hallelujah. Praise God. Revelation 16 and 15, the scripture says, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. I'm going to read the next passage of scripture, or the next verse in the original Greek. It says, Blessed is he that keepeth his garments on, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus is asking us, 
to remain alert at all times. The wording here may sound strange to us, but what it's trying to convey is the image of someone who sleeps with their everyday clothes on. That's why he says, blessed is he that sleepeth with his clothes on. And you see the next verse says, lest he be found naked. Now, you would think it strange if somebody went to sleep in their casual clothes, in their everyday clothes. And you would assume that somebody who did that is uneasy about something, is on the lookout for something, is expecting something. And Jesus says, this is how you should live. I was just counseling with one of the saints in our church the other day, and I said, you know, pastor, I just feel so uneasy. I said, good, stay that way. Stay, stay uncomfortable, stay uneasy, stay woke, stay alert. Come on, there's just times, you know, alert people survive. Alert people make it. You got to be alert, praise God. You got to stay alert. You got to, you got to. I thank God for every saint of God that's here and not down at the lake. I thank God for every saint of God that's here before they're anywhere else. I thank I think, you know what you're doing? You're walking around fully clothed and ready to go. You know what you're doing? Come on, somebody. You're keeping your oil lamp trim. You're keeping. What does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to quit living like he's coming soon. You know, at our church, we don't preach Jesus is coming soon. We preach Jesus is coming unexpectedly. There's a big difference between Jesus is coming soon. Jesus never said I'm coming soon. He says I come as a thief in the night. In other words, I'm coming unexpectedly. And it's not until you transition from living from Jesus is coming soon to Jesus can come right now. Amen. That you really start praying every day. That you really start reading your Bible every day. That you really start making sure you don't miss a service. That you really start showing up to women's prayer, men's prayer, youth prayer. Come on. If you're struggling in your private life, you know what you need to do? You need to get it into your head. Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Oh, come on. Praise him. I said he's coming unexpectedly. He, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, the old timers preached Jesus coming unexpectedly. You didn't get to just leave service without going to the altar call. You were going to make your way down to the altar. And bless God, they were going to massage you into the Holy Ghost. But how sad of our generation that they lived in a time where in many regards there was less threats, less, less, less potential for total chaos and collapse. And they had more expectancy of the unexpected. Revelations 19.9. And he saith unto me, right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you don't mind, I'm going to just talk to our visitors for a few seconds. The Bible, the Bible uses the analogy of a marriage to describe heaven. Because a marriage is the highest ranking relationship there is on earth. I know some of us think it's mother and child or father and son, but really it's husband and wife. Why do you think that's the very institution that's under the most attack? And the scripture says heaven is going to be a closeness and a nearness comparable to that of husband and wife. And the scripture says... Blessed is everyone that's called to the great wedding feast. 
visitor friend of mine, you are blessed to be here today. You have received a call. I know somebody called you to pick you up or called you to invite you, but behind that phone call, behind that text message, behind that invitation is God. Is God working on your life? It's God ready to deliver you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You came here today, and you're ready to quit being an alcoholic. You're done with it. Amen. You're blessed. You're in the right place today. You've been called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes, come on, somebody. You've been called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you what, if you want to, we can baptize you today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you want to, you can have all of your sins forgiven and remitted. This is a blessed thing. This is how you respond to the call. You get baptized. You come up to the front. You lift up your hands. You say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Fill me with your spirit. Hallelujah. And in a few seconds, God will do exactly what you're asking him to do because he's a good God. He Saint of God. Stop living like this is not the blessed life. Stop questioning whether this is the blessed life. This is the blessed life. I don't think I'm alone here today. But I'm very sincere with you when I tell you. I just have no interest in backsliding. Even on my worst days, even when I, when I go foul and I go wrong and I go left instead of right and down instead of up, there's nothing in me that says, I want to stay down. There's nothing in me that says, I want to go back. There's nothing in me that says, I want another drink, another tattoo, another night with the friends, another, another high. I refuse to lose my good memory, and I refuse to lose my good common sense. The life I was living before was a one-way road to misery, was a one-way road to hell, was a one-way road to pain. I'm not going back to that. I'm not falling back into that. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you need to shake that stuff off. Now is not the time to backslide. Come on, give him praise. Yes. Yes. Let's lift our hands and pray. I feel a wonderful presence of the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's get the joy of our salvation back. Hallelujah. Those that have answered the call should be showing those that are called, this is a wonderful life. This is a happy life. It has its ups and its downs, but it's the best life. It's the ultimate life. It is the supremely blessed life. I'm glad to be in God's service one more time. They didn't have to let me in, but I'm glad. Let's give God a hand praise right now. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Yes. Come on, there's something wonderful stirring in our hearts. There's a spirit of encouragement, faith, and hope. Jesus. Revelation 26, blessed and holy is he 
that hath part in the first, everyone say first, in the first resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 says, it speaks to us about the resurrection of the dead in Christ. This resurrection happens prior to the great tribulation. The scripture says this explicitly. And then it goes on to say, blessed are those who are part of this resurrection. You understand that there are two resurrections of the dead. The first happens before the great tribulation. I know there's probably some some mid-tribbers and post-tribbers here, and you're probably really, really feeling good about your position now. But there is no situation in modern or ancient times that changes the word of God. And God has not appointed his people unto wrath. And I know some people feel like having to stay home is the wrath of God. I'm sorry, it's not it. I didn't get a lot of amens on that. I know some people feel that having to wear a mask is the wrath of God. This is not the wrath of God. And the scripture says that there will be a resurrection that comes before the tribulation. This is not me making this up. This is what scripture says. And the scripture says, blessed are they that have part in the first resurrection. Because the second resurrection will not be pretty. Everything will be resurrected and put into judgment. And the scripture is saying, you don't want to be part of that mix. Can I just preach to you that Jesus wants us to quit preparing for Armageddon and get ready for the rapture? Come on. Come on. I understand. You're worried. You're stockpiling. I know. You got rice and frozen meat. I know. I understand. But can I just tell you, you need to be ready now. You need to be. Come on. I'm not. I'm trying to get out of here, not stay here. I'm trying to see Jesus in the clouds. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be part of that first resurrection. I'm trying to give me a Bible study, not a new gun. I'm trying to give me. I didn't think a lot of people like that. I'm just telling you the gospel truth. At some point, brother, you got to get. When Jesus comes back, he ain't looking for AR-15s. He's looking for saints of God doing the work of God. He's looking for saints of God that have prepared their soul. And listen, I know, before someone gets the wrong idea here. I live in California. We can't even have guns. And our governor is running amok. And our state is in trouble. And you're next. But if you have never won a soul for Jesus Christ, you better get to work. You better get to work. I'm just telling you right now, you better get to work. You be- at least look busy. At least. You better be at prayer. You better be at. be part of that first resurrection. That's that's what I want my lot in. That's what I want part in. Everybody trying to figure out how to be saved after the rapture. You ain't going to be saved after the rapture, homie. If you can't do it now, what makes you think you're going to do it later? If you're struggling now, to pray every day. If you're struggling now to memorize John 3.16, what makes you think you're going to fare any better in the middle of wars and, and, and in the middle of chaos and in the middle of... 
pandemics and epidemics. What, what makes you think you're going to fare any better then? Even if we do go that way, you ought to get ready now while you can. And you know what? Jesus said you ought to pray that your flight is not in the winter. You know what that means? You ought to be praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Lord Jesus, come ex- Come on, some people think this is old school preaching right here. Welcome to old school. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Oh, let's magnify the Lord. Oh, come on, let's magnify the Lord. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I feel something talking to us right now. I feel a supreme blessedness coming over us right now. Hey, guess what? In the middle of it all, in the heat and in the thick of the battle, when the world is at its worst, Religion won't go away. Religion will actually become part of the problem. False religion, that is. It'll be part of the delusion. It'll be part of the mechanisms of control. You know, I had a Bible study recently with a gentleman. Uh, He came from China. Uh, He he was a U.S. citizen, but he, he was a chef in China. He worked at the eighth most expensive, lucrative restaurant in all the world in Shanghai. And uh, we baptized him. He went to Shanghai. Uh, he was there for several months. And we, it, w- it was just nearly impossible to find him a church. And he came back from Shanghai. And uh, he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, the churches have cameras in there. He said, they will not preach past Calvary. He said, every every service is surface. He said, I was going to church regularly and I was still dying. I remember going to Cuba. All the churches had to have windows. So that government officials could see through the windows and see and hear what was going on. Never a service went by when I was in Cuba that there was not people monitoring the service. I'm telling you, you better get yourself ready now. You better get your personal devotion on now. You better learn what it is to not, don't, don't, be, don't be one of those, those people that just survives off, off set systems. Don't, don't look for the next wave to ride. Make a wave. We, uh, we've been in lockdown since March. We've, they, they, they let us have church one week and not the next. and It's just, it's, it's a mess. But you know, we, we get it into our people's heads. You've got to pray at home. That's the most important altar you have. You've got to pray. Sunday school is just supplemental to what you should be doing at home. Your prayer here is just supplemental to what you should be doing at home. Guess what? You don't need to be Ellen Mayo, amen, to sing at home. Ellen Mayo sings at home. Do you know that? She has her own altar call with her own family, with her own kids and her grandkids. You can do the same. It's not about talent. It's about passion. It's not, come on. It's about a passion for Jesus Christ. It's about, it's about saying, I'm not just a nominal Christian. I don't just call myself something and not really live that thing out. This is what I am through and through. This is what I am on Monday morning. This is what I am on Tuesday night. And if I can't get it right, I get back up and I keep trying and I keep living for God. And I...
I come to the church to pray with the saints, not to pray. I already prayed at home. I come to church to worship with the saints. Amen. Not to worship. I already worshiped at home. Hallelujah. I come here to be with God's people, but I'm doing all these activities at home with my people, with my children. That's supreme blessedness. Last but not least, well, we have two more to go. If I finish, I finish. I don't want to bore you. Blessed are they that keep the words of this prophecy. tell you something about the book of Revelation. It is called the book of Revelation, not Revelations. You know, the book of Revelation tells you that there's going to be wars, and you know, you could have kind of guessed that. I got two kids, and it's world war at my house every day. I'm praying for y'all. I get three kids, four. That's Armageddon. You don't have to be a prophet to figure out that humans are violent and sensual and, 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 and corrupt. COVID wasn't the first time that I discovered hand sanitizer. I've been knowing about germs spreading for a long time. The revelation, the revelation of the book of Revelation is who Jesus is. And what the book of Revelation is trying to let you know, no matter how low things get, don't you forget that there's one sitting on the throne. There's not two. There's not three. There's not four. There's not five. There is the Lamb of God. And around him are the saints that were persecuted, that were afflicted, that were faithful, that were godly, that, that endured until the end. Come on, the revelation. And, and the scripture says, blessed are they that keep, that guard this revelation. Blessed are they that are preaching that there's only one God until Jesus comes back. Blessed are they that never let go of this precious truth that great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, seen by angels, preached to the Gentiles. Blessed are they that never forget that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father above all who is a who is through all and in you all, blessed are they that realize there's only one alpha and one omega. There's only one beginning and one end. There's only one. Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. Oh, come on, come on. Let's praise God just for a few seconds. I'm, I'm almost done here. I leave you with this. Blessed are they that do these commandments. But big difference between motion and action. Sitting here listening to me preach, or your pastor, whoever, it creates a sense of motion. But motion and action are not the same thing. You know, being in the library might make you feel smart, but it's not the same as reading a book. emotions 
And if there's ever been a time that we need to traverse that, that chasm between motion and action, it's now. James said, brethren, do not deceive yourselves. It's not enough to be a hearer and not a doer. You've got to do this. You have to do this. We can't, we can't just feel comfortable and, 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 and stimulated and, and worked up because we're here in the building. And we sang the songs and we clapped and we tolerated the guy that was yelling at us. You've got to say, I heard what was said. I heard the scripture quoted. I will go home and do it. Come on. I will go home. I will go home and I will do it. I will go to my job and I will do it. I will go to my marriage and I will do it. I will go to my friendships and I will do it. I will go to my family and I will do it. I will go out into my world and I will do it. I will, I will actualize it. I will bring it into existence. I will be the medium and I will take the action and I will. But I'm not just here to listen. And I'm not just here to have my ears tickled. I'm here to do the will of God. I'm here to get instructions on how I should take action. Can we lift our hands for one second and just pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I praise you. Oh, God, I love you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Let's just wait on the Lord. Oh, God. Jesus. Church, there is a call going out right now to get yourself together. I mean, to really get yourself together. Some people never get themselves together because they feel so condemned. I'm closing, I promise. They feel so condemned, they just feel like, you know what? I can't get it right. My wife can't get it right. The kids can't get it right. My husband's can't get it right. The money's not right. The house ain't right. This is just, this battle's not going to end. 
I'm not ready to give up on God, so I'll show up to church. But after church, we're not doing all of that because it's not working. The Bible says that on the sixth time that Moses ascended up to Mount Sinai, the Bible says that he called for the young people, the young people of all people, he called for the young people to make sacrifices of oxen. And he took the blood of those oxen and he split it two ways. He put half on the altar and he put the other half on the people. Because the altar is what takes us to the presence of God. And by putting the blood on the altar, he's saying the path to the altar, the path to God is clear. But it doesn't matter if the path to God is clear if when you get there you have no confidence. And so he took the other half of the blood and he put it on the people. He said, so that when you get into God's presence, you're not condemned. And this is what Hebrews is talking about. It says, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. And this is what Hebrews is talking about when it talks about the sacrifice that Jesus made in heaven on the eternal altar of God. He split the blood two ways as well. And he put half of it on the altar so that the road to God is clear. And he put the other half on you so that when you get into God's presence, because only an insane person would actually act cocky and, 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 and arrogant in God's presence and confident. Anybody who's in their right mind knows I'm not that good of a person that I can just come into God's presence and think I have nothing wrong with me and that he's just going to do whatever I say. And that this is just some kind of Santa Claus religion. This is not that. Anybody who's even halfway in their right mind knows their own sins more than anybody. And you know that when you get into God's presence, there's a lot of reasons to feel ashamed, condemned, guilty, broken, shattered, fractured. And so the blood is applied upon you so that when you get into God's presence, and it's not just any ordinary blood. Jesus said at the last communion, this is my blood. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have the blood of a goat. You don't have the blood of a bull. You don't have the blood of a... Of an animal, you have the blood of Christ, the only begotten, the monogene, the unique son of God. You have the blood of the Alpha and the Omega on you. You have the blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Hallelujah. You don't need to feel condemned, friend. You need to get confident. You need to go straight to the throne of God and tell God what... And tell God what condition you're in. And tell God what condition your marriage is. And tell God what condition your kids are in. And tell God the status of your finances. And tell God the status of your spirituality. And then tell God, I'm here confidently. And I'm here boldly. And I'm here in the name of Jesus. And I'm here in your blood. Please help me. Please minister to me. Please save me. Please deliver me. Please touch my husband. Please touch my wife. Please touch my children. Come on. Come on. I feel the blood of Jesus. I feel the blood of Jesus. stand. You know, I know how Pentecostals, we plead the blood for everything. I plead the blood, I plead the blood. I used to, I, I used to plead the blood over all kinds of stuff. You don't need to plead the blood. Because once the blood has been applied, can nothing take it off. This is the blood of Jesus, friend. He'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy. Backslider, you don't need to get rebaptized. You need to get renewed. This blood, the old timers used to say, never loses its power. This is not fossil fuels. This is not, this is not even atomic energy. This thing never loses its power. It is perpetual, everlasting, eternal. And it will definitely be here for your whole life. 
got to grab a hold of it. You got to come to the throne room and throw those hands up. And just tell God where you're at. There's young people here, you're afraid to do that. Because the other young people that you've been carnal with are going to laugh at you. Get rid of the carnality. Step out of that. I love young people. And I know your pastor's not here. And if I have to apologize for this, I will. Let me just tell you. I'm talking to some young people right now. If you don't stop living like a devil. You're, 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 play, you're playing all these games in the nice padded pews and in the comforts of your mama's house. And one day your little lusts and your little troubles, they're going to land you in jail and you ain't ready for that life. You don't want that smoke. It's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt. It's all fun and games till somebody gets a little disease. It's all fun and games till somebody decides to go jump off a Spokane bridge. It's all fun and games until someone doesn't know what gender they are. It's all fun and games until the rug gets pulled out from under someone's feet. Don't you be bound by carnality. If you're standing next to somebody that you know is holding you back, it's time to cut those bonds and walk in that blood. Just walk in that blood. Walk in that blood. Walk up to that altar. Walk up to Jesus. Throw those hands up. Confess those sins. Get yourself free from all that bondage. Get yourself free from all those lusts. Get yourself free from all those feelings. Get yourself free from all that suicide. Get yourself free from all those drugs. Get yourself free from all that porn. Get yourself free from all those feelings. Get yourself free in the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the presence of God, in the altar of the Lord. Come on. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Let's make some noise before God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. There's a spirit of deliverance here. There's a spirit of liberty here.